And welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. Today's show, we are actually talking about the NBA playoffs here. And we'll be talking about the playing games that actually took place here this week leading into the playoff games that started here on Saturday. First and foremost, I want to go ahead and thank Anchor for being our platform. I want to thank the sponsors out there who put sponsorship on the show. And I want to go ahead and thank the fans out there who have actually listened in, chimed in to help us uh, drive topics here to the show. So, Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the show and let's start off here with the playing games that actually started off there on Tuesday here this week on April the 12th. So the two games that took place there were the Nets and Cavaliers and then the Clippers and the Minnesota Timberwolves here. So uh, both games were good and I will say this with the playing games, I think that each playing game was very good. Um, I think that you got a chance to see what each team's strength was i think you got a chance to see why the teams were actually in the play in games to start off so to start off with the nets and the cavaliers here the nets win 115 to 108 here um it didn't surprise me the least bit here that uh, Kyrie Irving kind of took over the game with the 34 points here and then you also had uh, a stellar effort here from Kevin Durant as well in route to winning that game 115 to 108 I think what you saw there is a case of they are who we thought they were and that is this that the Nets have championship DNA they have experience and the fact of the matter is they have more experience than the Cleveland Cavaliers who have actually been slipping down the standings into these playing games. Um, now you look at the Cavaliers and you look at what they have, you know, they were able to get uh, Evan Mobley back here, who to me, I think is the rookie of the year. He had a 19 in this one, ended up having uh, seven rebounds as well. You know, so it's a whole host of young talent there in Cleveland. And I think the bottom line is Cleveland hasn't figured out a way to win, uh, especially in the games that kind of count the most here. But shifting back to the Nets, 25 from Kevin Durant, very efficient, 9 of 16. Kyrie Irving, 12 of 15. I mean, he pretty much did everything he wanted to do. Uh, Andre Drummond looking every bit. Uh, of an all-star center a lot of the dominant force that we saw in Detroit so I think he was an excellent pickup there and I think it's going to get even better if they're able to somehow get uh, Ben Simmons back here so really I, I think that the bottom line here is that you know the story is essentially Brooklyn is get is good and they're much more better than what the record has shown this year and I think that when you look at the fact and you look at their body of work I think if if Kyrie Irving were there I think throughout the season um, I think that even though you know the James Harden deal didn't necessarily work out here I don't think that they would have been in a situation where it was a play-in situation but um, they took care of, of, of Cleveland as we expected here, uh, made work of them, made sure that they went ahead and secured a seed um, in the playoffs. And so that's why, you know, they were where they were. So, you know, I think that it was just a terrific job here done by the Nets and especially Steve Nash going ahead and just taking care of business. You know, they went out there and they took care of business. They didn't leave anything for chance out there. And so you gotta you gotta take your hats off to what they were able to do here um, in this playoff or play-in situation, which essentially is the, the playoffs as well. I mean, even though they're not necessarily calling it that, but yeah, that that's exactly what it is. So uh, kudos to the Nets for for going ahead and taking care of business there. Next up here, 
was the Minnesota Trail or yeah the Minnesota Trailblazers the Minnesota Timberwolves here versus the uh, Los Angeles Clippers here so um I had to laugh at myself on that one but listen the Timberwolves to me they have to be one of the more talented teams in the league okay and I think this is the first time that you actually get a chance to see how talented they are and how special that they could be if they can all get focused and get on the same page here the issue with the timberwolves is this that they have a talented d'angelo russell who i think is one most improved player of the year you have carl anthony towns who's won the three-point contest and has shown you that he is the best shooter in the league by default because he didn't win the award right um, but he's been very efficient at shooting the basketball. And also, too, you look at a guy that a lot of people, they really, they're just now starting to, to talk about this young man here. But um, I have to give a lot here of credit to uh, Anthony Edwards, who has been stellar here out of Georgia. You know, I didn't know how good he was. Um, you know, I've seen the highlight clips where he's been posterizing people and you see, you know, the the box scores where he's been electric and everything else but I mean this guy was incredible in that playing game and he's really been incredible uh, so far throughout their play playoff run and we'll talk about that a little bit later here but the fact of the matter is you know they were able to play gritty enough really and tough enough and I think that you have to really take your hats off to Patrick Beverly um, a guy who I personally love. I love his defense. I love how he brings the passion and the energy to every team he's been on. Um, I wish he was with Chicago, um, you know, as a fan. But this guy, to me, I think was the difference. And I think that really the Timberwolves kind of leaned on his personality and also his experience to kind of dig this one out here against the Clippers because, um, really Minnesota was dead in the water uh, I mean in so many uh, different aspects there because you look at the fact that Carl Anthony Towns was in some major foul trouble and he eventually fouled out of the game and I think he had something like you know three four five fouls or something like that in the third quarter so it was really just everything was kind of lining up uh, for the Clippers to go ahead and take care of business and you have to give the the Timberwolves credit because they stayed in it, right? They stayed in it long enough to give themselves a chance. And look, D'Angelo Russell was special, 29, 5, and 6 for him. Um, you look at what uh, Anthony Edwards was able to do as well. Um, you know, he went out there and had 30 points. He was plus 4 in the box score. 5 of 11 from downtown so he was really not only was he scoring but he was scoring the three-point bucket which obviously we know nowadays the three-point bucket is is just worth so much in the NBA game so that's one of the reasons why the Timberwolves were able to kind of stay in it and then they were able to go ahead and surpass the Clippers I think that they did a terrific job in really putting Anthony Edwards in some sets where he was able to exploit a lot of the Clippers uh, missed coverages you know there was times where Nicholas Mattoon had to stick him um, and he was unable to because the the one thing about Anthony Edwards is as he's developing now with this jump shot you knew he had the athletic ability but he's shown now that he has that recognition to go okay uh, much like kind of what Trey Young did and we'll talk about that he's able to get 
the matchup that he want, wanted and, and went to work. And so when the Timberwolves were able to do that, really, I think that was the difference here against the Clippers in that play-in game. Despite Paul George playing terrific basketball, he had 34. You got the 17 from Reggie Jackson. Morris had 12. Uh, 16 from Norman Powell, but it just it wasn't enough here from the stars really that uh, the Timberwolves had. And on top of that, you know, I want to point out the fact that you know they got some other guys that played well too. Uh, you know, they had Reed here who had eight points. They had Malik Beasley. He had tw- excuse me 12. You had uh, uh, Jade McDaniel's here. Uh, he had eight in the contest. So, I mean, they have a lot of young pieces here. And this is, like I said, the first time you really get a chance to see them on national television like this. But they did a great job in kind of growing up there in that situation and taking care of business. Um, and in that win, they were able to go ahead and secure um, their seed. They're the seventh seed, actually, in the West here, which would move the Clippers into another playing game. Um, as well as the the Cavaliers. So moving forward here, let's look at the last bit of uh, playing games here that there was on Friday night here. So going back to Friday night, you had the Hawks and then you had the uh, Pelicans here who took on the Clippers and the Hawks took on the Cavaliers here. So um You know, the Hawks were able to advance in their series because they were able to go ahead and beat Charlotte. Uh, The Pelicans were able to go ahead and get into their series here, um, able to take care of business and get here to the Clippers. And so in this situation, when I look at these two teams, Atlanta actually was down in this game against the Cavaliers by as many as 10 points. And it felt like the Cavaliers really had all the momentum here. L'Oreal Marketing had 26 in this one. Uh, Evan Mobley had a good one as well. But the difference here was Trey Young. Then not only Trey Young, but the experience that Nate McMillian, Nate McMillian, McMillian and the Hawks had. God, I can't even get his name out. Nate McMillian and the Hawks had is the fact that, you know, that was really the difference to me in this game. Um, you know, I just thought that essentially their experience took over against the Cavaliers who have not been there before and Trey Young was able to really take over in the fourth Uh, he was able to distribute the ball he was able to score good clips and Cleveland really had no answer here and I think that the fact of the matter is you know Cleveland's youth kind of showed I think it probably would have helped if they would have had Colin Saxton out there as well but you know that's kind of how the cookie crumbled um and you just see a much experienced team here with the hawks take over next up the pelicans and the clippers here which took place on friday night um kudos to the to the pelicans here because now that i look at this deal they went 105 to 101 this was a game um where the clippers again they were on top of their opponent just couldn't find a way to go ahead and seize the victory and on top of that they were without paul george who was out with the COVID situation there so that was very unfortunate um, for their season to kind of end like that and it's, it's kind of indicative to the way the year has been for them because really their stars have been out throughout the throughout the year but they've still been able to find a way so that's why i think a lot like other people here i, I feel like 
Ty Lue probably could be the coach of the year, should be the coach of the year, based off of what he was able to accomplish with the Clippers, even though they didn't get into the playoffs. Um, they were right there. And so, you know, you got to take your hats off to him. But, you know, the, the Clippers just didn't have enough. And ultimately, when I look at the Pelicans, I think now we can start to say at first, I think a couple weeks ago, I was saying I thought that this was a fair trade between the Lakers and the Pelicans, like where nobody's really won that trade. But now to me, it it it's kind of showing that the Pelicans have actually won the trade to me, because when you look at what they were able to get here out of that with the draft picks and everything, you got Jose Alvarado coming out of Georgia Tech got a chance to look at his game. Um, you know, I think he was former uh, New York State Player of the Year, and this guy was terrific for Georgia Tech. So he was an excellent pick. Um, you look at the fact that they got Herb Jones here, which was an underrated pick out of Alabama at six seven. You know, he's shooting the ball a lot better, which is what you were saying. Like coming in out of the draft was like, okay, if he could become an elite shooter or you know a three and d guy like there is a spot for this guy in this league and you have to give the pelicans credit for going out and scouting and getting a guy like that and bringing him in he was terrific for them you look at uh trey murphy the third here that they got out of virginia another terrific draft pick that they got over here so the pelicans took care of business here with you know picking up uh, these type of picks and really adding them into the roster with what they've already had. You have to give them credit for making the trade that they made at the trade deadline by going out there and getting CJ McCullough. So to me, the Pelicans are in some great shape here uh, moving forward. Now you see Zion Williams, he's dunking before the, the games and things like that. So you're, you're very optimistic about that. Still have a huge question mark on the fact of, you know, his athleticism is only going to go so far. Um, and at some point, he's going to have to be, to me, I think a knockdown jump shooter. Um, if it's not from the three-point range, at least from just outside the foul line and in, he's going to have to be very good with that. So we'll see what happens with his career. But not to shift away from the main focus here, which was the Pelicans actually playing themselves into the A spot in the, the West. And I don't think a lot of people thought that. I didn't think that they were going to do that. I thought that this was a team that was pretty much done. Um, you know, I thought they were packing it up for next year. But for them to, to come out here and focus and really take care of business like that, um, they were outstanding. You know, they were really outstanding in what they had to do and, and had to accomplish out here. And so, you know, it's much deserving for them to win and kind of get into the, the plan situation there. Um, really, you know, salute hats off to these guys for, for getting there. Um, so now that was really the play in tournament. Uh, let's move over here now to the NBA playoffs, which actually started here yesterday. And let's go ahead and start with, um, no round one here so let's start with uh, round one let's start with game one here which was the dallas mavericks and the uh, utah jazz here so you know going into this game uh you had luka Doncic, who's out with a calf injury right and it's a calf strain at that personally i've had one before uh it's one of the worst injuries that you can get um if you look back in history you look at what happened to shaquille o'neal uh he blew out an achilles off a cash strain you look at what happened to kevin durant in the finals against toronto he was initially diagnosed with a calf strain so 
Calf strains are a very dangerous thing. And the thing about it is, and I love what, what Shaq was saying on TNT a couple nights ago, is that they feel great after a couple days of rehab. You're able to come out and run and stuff like that. But then there just becomes a certain point where you make certain movements and then bam, it hits you. And not only does it hit you, it's usually worse than what it was before the injury. So you you not only re-aggravate it, but you make it worse. And so this is a tough spot for Dallas to be in because they were banking on the fact that they were going to have DeWittle and they were going to have Luka Doncic here. And then they brought over Bartons as well in that trade from Washington. And they already had some pieces here that have actually been to the playoffs with them before. Um, it does hurt that they didn't have Tim Hardaway Jr. there. But I thought that this was probably the year that if they were going to push through, this was going to be the year for them, especially with DeWittle, who I think is probably the best complimentary piece to Luka Doncic that he's had in his career uh, because Porzingis has couldn't stay healthy when he was great uh, they were great but DeWittle is a guy that's been consistent throughout his career yes I know he's had the knee injuries but he's proved himself with the Nets he's proved himself with the Wizards I got a chance to see him when he was playing on a summer league team with the Chicago Bulls. I knew he was good then. Um, so this was a moment that I think was perfect for Dallas. But it's unfortunate that they have this injury. I don't think Luka Doncic, to me, will be back for the series. And if he is, I'm not sure to what capacity he's going to, to be able to play because he's a guy that plays with the ball a lot. Um, he's not necessarily an off-the-ball player and even if he was an off the ball player like a Steph Curry and stuff like that that's even tough when you're talking about a calf strain when you're talking about the the sprinting the stopping and stuff like that and the, the cutting that you do to kind of get through screens and stuff like that it's just it's a bad injury at a bad time so with that being said Utah went ahead and took care of business and I think Utah ultimately is going to win this series um, you know when I look at Utah and what they can do you know I think that Utah has obviously the size advantage with Gobert in there. There's nobody really that can handle Gobert. And then as far as Donovan Mitchell is concerned, there's nobody that can really handle Donovan Mitchell. And in going into the rebounds here in comparison for the year, Utah was third in the league in rebounding percentages. And you know, I talked about it before with the the importance of rebounding. If you're able to rebound and out-rebound a club, you're either doing one of two things. You're taking away their second chance opportunities or you're giving yourself a second chance opportunities, which we know uh, strategically your chances of scoring again go up. So Utah, essentially, they're in a great position here with this situation. I, I think that this is... A matchup pretty much that fell into their laps um, even though it's the four or five I think that this is perfect for them to to move along here now do I think that uh, Dallas will put up some resistance sure I think they will it was a close game here but you know they're like I said Utah clearly has the rebounding advantage Utah clearly in the uh, the season as well with the points differential they were plus six there so that's a pretty good stat as well for them um, so I think everything kind of leans in favor here for Utah and what they could possibly do here in this series so you know with that being said um, you know they're up 1-0 in this series I expect for this to probably be a situation here where maybe um, maybe it's five 
it, it could be six. You know, I'd be kind of shocked if it is six, but you know, I think that Utah will find a way to kind of go ahead and take care of business here. Um, and I, I just don't think that that Dallas will have enough. And I just think that the injuries at this this point in time just is really, really going to hurt Dallas in the long run here. And to just throw out some stats here, Donovan Mitchell had 32 and six rebounds in this, uh, the six assists. Uh, Dallas did get a good effort here from Jalen Brunson, who I think is probably the most improved player in the league with the 24-7-5, and five, but just not enough here at home as uh, Utah takes care of business 99-93 to 93 here. And uh, quickly, just to kind of go in the box score in this one as well, uh, just to look at what Gobert was able to do, he had the five points, but he had seven rebounds and that's just what we talked about here about the rebounding differential all right um so then the next game here that took place uh in the playoffs there was the you had the memphis grizzlies and then you had the uh minnesota timberwolves here so many people thought here that um they felt that minnesota if, if there was going to be an upset it would be the minnesota series mainly because Memphis was just they've never been in a situation where they've been favored and I'll, I'll take it a step further maybe it's not a situation where they haven't been favored but they haven't been favored in the sense like since you know Casal uh, played there uh, Randolph played there I'm talking about the I think it was the grindhouse where they used to just pretty much beat people down in the post and stuff like that um, so this young group together, it's the first time that they've had this type of expectation here. And I think it showed yesterday. Um, you know, I think you looked at Minnesota and the way that they came in. I think Minnesota played very free um, in that one. I think that they came into this thing. Um, they were relaxed. They played their game. And I think that, that that was really the difference to me. You know, the fact that Minnesota was able to come in and play their game. And I think that you looked at what Carl Anthony Towns was able to do. It's the Carl Anthony Towns that many people really expected to see um, in this game. Because, you know, he didn't get into foul trouble. He took advantage of Memphis down low in the paint. Um, you know, he did a terrific job in rebounding. You know, he had 29 points and he also had the 13 rebounds as well. He was outstanding. He was plus 16 in the box score. He was everything that 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 Minnesota needed to have going on the road. OK, so they, it started there with that. Then next up, you look at uh, Anthony Edwards and what he was able to do. I think he became like the second youngest player to score so many points in their debut or something like that. I forget the stat, but he was outstanding. I mean, he came out, he knocked down some big three pointers to start off here, really established the rhythm here for Minnesota that likes to get up and down. They don't like to get into half court affairs and that's what they want to do. They like to play like it's a pickup game and just kind of get up and go. And that's what they were able to do, you know, and, and most times in the playoffs, the game slows down and that really makes it tough. But the fact that Minnesota would not let Memphis bog down the game, that was impressive. Anthony Edwards, 36. He did have um, six assists as well. So he did a terrific job in not only scoring, but also setting up teammates. That was terrific. 
Um, and then you look at D'Angelo Russell. Now he had a slow start as far as scoring and everything like that. He only had the 10, but he was plus 12 in the plus minus box. And he also had nine assists as well. So he did a terrific job in really setting the plate. And when Memphis would go on the run, um, he was really the catalyst for kind of getting Minnesota into the right sets and the right positions uh, to kind of counteract the actions that Memphis was was throwing at them here. And so you look at that, you look at Patrick Beverly, anytime you get the scoring output that you get from him, he had the 10 plus 16. Yes, he had the five fouls, but look at this, six assists, six rebounds. I mean, he was all over the place. And so that's what you get with Patrick Beverly, who essentially, yes, he's 6'3", but he plays like he's 7'5". And so that was the difference out there for Minnesota winning this one. And then you look on the other side of this one, John Morant was terrific, okay? So to me, he showed that the bright lights and the playoffs and all, you could just throw that out the window. 32 points, right? He had the eight assists. I know he was minus 16 in the plus minus here, but when Memphis needed baskets and when they needed to try to stop, uh, you know, the route that Minnesota was on or the run, you know, he was able to get to the line and slow down the game and at least give Memphis a chance to kind of get back and set their defense against an explosive uh, Timberwolves team. So he did a terrific job to me. Uh, Dylan Brooks, you know, I think he did well as well. Uh, you know, here's a guy that a lot of people, you know, coming out of Oregon, not he wasn't a first round pick uh, i like his game a lot defensively and what he does um you know he struggled shooting the ball from the free throw line and from the field but you know he still was able to go out there and put up the 24. desmond bain did really well to me uh with the 17 points too but really i think the the issue here for the uh, grizzlies was the fact that you have jaron jack jr jaron jackson jr excuse me was in foul trouble uh he did have 12 points and he did have seven blocks and he leads the league or led the league in blocks but he was off the floor for uh a lot of stretches of basketball and yes brandon clark did come in there but it's not the same effect when you have jaron jackson out there who's able to stretch the floor the way he was able to so you got to give the timberwolves just lots of credit for coming in there on the road taking away jaron jackson and then making it really frustrating for memphis to kind of get into their offensive flow you know because memphis likes to get up and down too as well but the timberwolves did a terrific job and really clamping down and they played a lot of the defense which got them there into the playoffs in the first place um so they were everywhere you know, you look at the fact, too, as well, they got some great contributions, again, from Jaden McDaniels. Um, Malik Beasley was big. I always liked his game coming out of Denver. Um, you know, they, they looked really, really good throughout. And so kudos to the Timberwolves here. If there is an upset brewing, it might be this series, to be honest with you. It could be this series. I still like Memphis with what they have. I like Memphis because of their experience from last year. And I, I think that they have enough to win this series. But I will say this, it would not shock me if the Timberwolves pull off the upset here. But I like Memphis in six in this one. Could go seven, but I like, I like Memphis here. 
Next up here, let's look at the later game here, which was the Golden State uh, Warriors versus the Denver Nuggets here. So Golden State up one nothing here against the Denver Nuggets here. And in this one, it pretty much, you know, it shows you exactly a lot of what I've talked about. And I think a lot of what others have talked about in the sense that Golden State is very dangerous. And in fact, a lot of people like myself have picked Golden State to win the West. And I think it's quite possible that they do win the West. I really do. If they're able to have this type of effort. Because you take a look at what they were able to do here. Golden State doesn't have a healthy Steph Curry here. And they're still able to come out, put up the amount of points that they were able to put up. And the way that they were able to put up the points was just simply phenomenal. Um, with the way that they were able to really take care of business here. I mean, look, Jordan Poole loved the fact that he was... He's, he's a draft pick of the Warriors. Here's a guy that got a chance to develop, uh, a, a guy that's got a chance to develop when Clay and Steph and Draymond and those guys were out in the so-called leap year where uh, essentially the Warriors management could have went out there, uh, shopped the team, kind of got some stars back there and gave away some of their young talent. They didn't do so, and this is why. Um, you know, they put up 123 points here, and this guy was electric. You know, he had the 30 points there. Um, you look at Draymond Green, he had 12 points, he had the nine assists and six rebounds, so he's looking a lot like what he was the year that they went to the finals. Um, Andrew Andrew Wiggins, who they got in, I think, a lot in a steal here, you know, yes, they gave up D'Angelo Russell, but you get a guy that is fit in perfectly here. He had 16, nine, and two um, as far as rebounds and then the assist. Um, you look at Klay Thompson, he had 19 you look at Jordan Poole with 30, and then you look at Steph, he had 16, and that's coming off the bench, guys. So, listen, this team is deep. This team is ready to make a run. Um, they were able to kind of cut up Dallas like a lot of just what they've been able to do in their championship years here. And you look at the flip side of this, Denver, to me, I said it going into this thing, is like if they were able to get back a Jamal Murray, um, fine. If they were able to get back, you know, Porter Jr., fine. Neither of those those players are back. And so because of that, that just leaves the the uh, uh, the Joker out there who played exceptionally well. You know, he, he had the 25 points and everything else, but um, just there was nothing else to go with him. You know, he had the 10 rebounds, six assists. But looking across the, the board here, uh, Will Barton showed up. He had 24. Um, you had Monty Morris here. He had 10. But other than that, you know, they just couldn't get anything else going on here. And defensively, um, Denver struggled. They struggled to keep Golden State in front of them. Um, you know, there were spotty coverages off a lot of the, the screen roll action. They weren't able to keep up with Golden State uh, when they would go to their staggered screen options. Um, really, there was nobody to stop Draymond when he was coming downhill on fast breaks and things like that. So, I mean, they just put Denver into some tough situations here. Um, I expect Denver to be competitive in this series, but I don't think that they're going to come out of this series here. And I think the bottom line is that they just don't have the reinforcements that they need um, to go with Jokic. And so 
until they get that, you know, they're going to be in some trouble here. So, you know, I expect this one to probably go about five, maybe six games here. But I look for for Golden State to really take care of business. And I think that they've showed you um, why it's important to kind of pace yourself as well um, throughout the season. And I think it's going to pay dividends here now in the postseason. So next up, I want to finish with the last game here of yesterday. It wasn't the last game, but it was the game before the last game. And that was the 76ers and the Toronto Raptors here. So in this one, um, you know, the 76ers just crushed the Raptors. In this is another series where I thought if there's possible uh, possible upset, maybe the most competitive series, I thought it was going to be this series here with the way the Raptors play. They play extremely hard. Um, and the 76ers kind of went into this thing in a little bit of a question mark to me because, you know, you know what James Harden can do throughout the year, right? You know what uh, Joel Embiid can do as well. But the question is, would they be able to come together um, now when the moment is the brightest and especially James Harden? And, you know, the bell really was answered yesterday. And I will say it was not only answered from those two, but from the team standpoint, you look at Tobias Harris. Here's a guy that essentially had to take a lesser role once James Harden came over. All he did yesterday was score 26, plus 17 in the box score, six assists and six rebound here. Fabulous numbers to start off. You look at the fact that they get uh, Joel Embiid. He just had the 19 points, but he had 15 rebounds, plus 16 for him. And how about Tyrese Maxey? A guy that they've inserted into the lineup, a guy that we saw in the summer league that had uh, a tremendous summer league. And this is why the summer league is so important for the people that think the summer league doesn't matter. He was able to grow his game this much from his rookie season, get all the confidence in the world there in the summer league, carried that over into the season. Now look at this, 38 points plus 20 in the box score. He was absolutely fantastic here. And the one thing I love about Tyrese Maxey is that you don't need to run a play for him. And that's going to be critical because once they start doubling and tripling Joel Embiid, which I expect Toronto to make those adjustments, and then they kind of clamp down a little bit more on James Harden, um, you have a guy that he doesn't need a play called for him and he can actually go out and get a bucket. That's a lot of the differences when you see uh, teams that kind of excel or do not excel in the later portion of the basketball game. You, you need athletes and you need stars who can take over like that. And that's just what you get with Tyrese Maxey. So, man, Philadelphia looked great. Uh, Shake Middleton, a guy that, you know, they're they hadn't really used him that much this year, but he looked good. He had 10. You had uh, George Niang coming off the bench. He had eight. I liked his game in Utah. Um, you know, they have uh, Matisse Thibault, who's probably their best defender. Um, and speaking of which, James Harden, 22 and 14 assists there. Um, very well done. Look, everything about Philly looked good yesterday. Now, if they can sustain this here, I think that they have a real chance to get out of the East, even though I think Milwaukee, to me, is probably the best out of the East. We'll talk about that uh, moving forward here, but they, look, they looked outstanding. On the other side of the ball, you look at Toronto here, and Pascal Siakam, 24, uh, OG Anobili, 20. You got 15 from Scotty Barnes and 18 from Van Fleet, even though that really doesn't tell the story because he struggled. And you look at Gary Trent, who had the nine, 
Um, Precious Achua had nine as well. So, look, this is a team that has to do it by committee. And essentially, to me, you know, Toronto just struggled in a lot of coverages. I mean, there were times where, you know, I think there was one play where Jolen B took the rebound and went all the way down the floor. Nobody checked him all the way down the lane. He just kind of sidesteps and and puts in a layup. And I think Pascal Siakam kind of throws his hands up. Um, There was just no resistance there. No resistance at all. Um, They kind of let Jolen B and those guys kind of bully them a lot, I think. Um, You know, Tyrese Maxey and those guys were able to get to anywhere they wanted to on the floor. And to me, you know, I think the most engaged on that end had to be Scotty Barnes, who I think, you know, if it weren't for the year that Evan Mobley had and the year that the Cleveland Cavaliers had, I I think he would be the rookie of the year. But I think it's going to be Evan Mobley. Uh, But, you know, it was terrific for him to come out and do what he did. Um, You know, the 15, the 10 rebounds and eight assists here, like he shows that he will be a force to be reckoned with in this league. Um, because not only can he play the power forward, but he's like a he's like a power forward slash guard. You know, it kind of reminds me of what Scottie Pippen was when he was able to play forward, but he was also like a point guard as well. You see that a lot with what Draymond Green does as well, and that's what makes these guys special. You know, but but Barnes is just much more of a scorer than a Draymond, who I love, but this guy in the potential is there but you know it's unfortunate that he went down with the ankle injury here I think that you look at that situation um, if the rafters have any chance of winning the series he has to be out there Van Fleet has to play a lot better than what he did Um, you know he was only four of seven from downtown he was seven of 12 from the field eventually Um, and then Gary Trent Gary Trent Jr. had been on a tear, and here's a guy that you know can score, but it was just more the consistency aspect for him, and uh, it was a tough ball game for him yesterday. Two of 11, two of seven from the three-point land, and so if Toronto is really going to win this series, they've got to get stops. They got to keep Joel and beating those guys off the boards and limit those second chance opportunities but more importantly their stars have got to play good from the the on start of the game and then also too you know the guys that they need to have you know valuable contributions here like the Gary Trents uh the Precious Achuas these guys have got to play big as well so it's so many things that have to happen for Toronto it's just going to be a tall order here but I do expect for them to compete Um, I like the 76ers and five in this one. Uh, I just think that, you know, you just look at the amount of scoring that Philadelphia has and the ability that they have to just pretty much just go big on Toronto. I I think it's going to be tough here uh, for Toronto to really get some traction in this series. So, um, you know, that was yesterday's games. Uh, Today's games, obviously, we had the Miami Heat versus the Atlanta Hawks that just concluded. Right now, we have the Celtics versus Brooklyn going on. Um, then we will have the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Chicago Bulls here. Um, I think in tonight's game. And then you will see uh, the Phoenix Suns, uh, the top rated Phoenix Suns, go against the New Orleans Pelicans. So, Briefly, I'll talk about the games that have taken place here thus far, and that's the Miami Heat versus the Atlanta Hawks. Um, listen, <laughs> Miami was this the, the first seed in the East, and it was kind of like, uh, do we really, really believe in Miami? And I think that they showed that you probably might want to start taking note and believing in them. Um, 
Listen, guys. I mean, Miami is really not changed too much from their their trip from the NBA Finals, uh, where they made it to the bubble. There, they didn't really lose a whole bunch, and they kind of developed their talent a little bit more. Um, last season, you know, Tyler Hero struggled. Last season, Jimmy Butler struggled. Uh, Bam Adebayo, I think, was still up and down with the the season with the injuries and things like that. But this is a totally different Heat roster. I mean, I think that they started off with going out there and they got Cal Lowry, which was huge in the backcourt there. You got another guy that can make plays that's been there before. It's an NBA champion to go along with Jimmy Butler. You already had great jump shooting ability with Duncan Robinson. Um, then you bring over an elite defender in P.J. Tucker, an NBA champion. They got him over there. You got Marcus Morris to come over there as well um, from LA. So that was huge. And then, you know, they have guys that uh, can knock down shots. You know, you got Tyler Hero, which will probably be the sixth man of the year. Um, you look at the defensive leaders here. Miami was fourth in the league defensively here, right? And that showed in today's contest. I, I mean, it, it really did show in today's contest. I mean, they just basically, they did something where, nobody's really been able to do it and they took Trey Young away I mean they neutralized Trey Young like I've never seen Trey Young just taken out of a ball game like this I mean there was one play where he got ripped at half court or yeah right up right just as he passed by the half court line and it turned into a layup or a dunk or something like that and I'm like wow you just you never even see that type of pressure on Trey Young um, they did a terrific job in taking him away off screens. They did a terrific job of retreating back to their man and not leaving some openings here. I mean, the stat line on Trey, Lung, Trey Young, excuse me, I cannot talk today. It, it is, it, look at this, eight points, negative 22 in the, in the plus minus, uh, six turnovers, only four assists. Uh, he did have six rebounds, but 0 of 7 from the three-point land, 1 of 12 from the field. Miami did an absolutely just outstanding job. And I, I have to believe that teams now are going to have to take footage here to try. If, the, if you're trying to sl slow down uh, Trey Young, this is the footage that you need to, to look at here. And Miami has shown that they're going to be tough. They're going to be a tough out for anybody, even my favorite, which is the Milwaukee Bucks, because they're able to lock you down and if they're able to lock you down and slow you down in a scoring um, capacity and make it tough when you're your top scores then you're always going to have a chance defensively right if you're able to clamp down teams like that because you know you look at the past couple championships and things like that it's not about just scoring the basketball you have to be able to get stops you know, people look at the fact that I think it was the one play last year in the NBA Finals where Giannis is able to uh, to, to pin the ball um, on the backboard. I think when uh, DeAndre Ayton was going up for a layup or an alley-oop or something like that. Like, it's plays like that that win series uh, in the playoffs and into the NBA Championship Series. And so Miami has every bit of that DNA here, okay? And not only did they show, show up defensively here, um, you know, really in keeping Atlanta to 27% from the three-point land and 38% from the field here. But you look at P.J. Tucker, you know, I think one of their best individual defenders here, he had 16 points, 
four of four from downtown, six of eight from the field. I mean, when you get contributions like that from your others, very tough to stop here. And you look at Bam Adebayo here, he only had six points, six rebounds, and five assists here, but was plus 27 here. And, and going into this series, you knew Atlanta was probably going to be in trouble from a size standpoint because they were going to lose Clint Capella with the hyperextended knee here. But, you know, even though they get John Collins back, I think that there's so many holes up front for Atlanta in the interior that it's going to be tough for Atlanta to win this series. I do expect Atlanta to fight in this series because they've been there before. I expect for them to shoot a lot better than what they did here, but... Um, it's going to be tough for them. You know, I, I think if any team can really bounce back, then it would be Atlanta um, because of the fact that they're able to shoot the three ball very well. Um, you know, but in this series, if they're not able to shoot the ball very well, their chances just continue to go down and they're not going to get a whole bunch of interior play from really anybody. I think that you saw the rust there with um, with John Collins here. So uh, this is a tall order for Atlanta. I think this is a very tall order for Atlanta. And to me, you know, this is the maybe you know, I've, I've watched Miami a, a handful of times, but this is the first time that I've seen them during this playoff run. If Miami is this locked in, I expect for them to be in the Eastern Conference Finals hands down, you know, hands down, even with what Philly was able to do hands down, they would not be able to to get past this Miami Heat team. So we'll see what happens moving forward there. Next up here, um, just briefly, we'll talk about the games that are going on here. It's it's currently 41 to 40 right now with the Nets and Celtics playing in this one. Um, you know, I like the Nets in this series, even though Boston essentially, to me, has had the better season. Uh, they are the two seed here. I just think that there's so much to overcome with Kevin and Kyrie healthy on the floor together. And I think that the fact that they have Andre Drummond playing the way that he's playing here, um, I think it's going to be tough for Boston inside here. Because, again, we talked about the value of rebounding here. And this is one of the things that I think Brooklyn has struggled with throughout their time in the Kevin Durant era is just they haven't really got a good interior the interior is good with Drummond. It's going to be great when they get Ben Simmons back, right? Who's going to operate essentially as kind of a big in there for them anyway. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for any team really to face them. And because they're the seventh seed, you have to throw that seed out. They're not really a seventh seed. You know, they just had a tough year because Kyrie uh, was out of the lineup and so was Kevin. But now that they're back in the lineup, you know, they have uh, Seth Curry playing well. You're at some point going to get Ben Simmons back, who I think is going to help you. I'm not going to say that that's going to push you over, but it's certainly going to help you. I like the fact that they brought Goran uh, Dragic over, who played in Miami. Um, you know, you still have Blake Griffin out there. You still have Aldridge on the bench. Um, you have Nicholas Cla um, Claxton over here as well. And you have uh, Bruce Brown as well. So, I mean, they have a unit that is very capable of winning some series here and certainly going deep here. You know, I just think with Boston, essentially it's the same team that they've had over the years, minus Gordon Hayward, minus Kyrie Irving. And I just don't know if I can say the Jason um, Tatum 
and then the um, Jalen Brown duo is going to be enough. Right now, looking at the stat sheet here, uh, Jalen Brown is only, he only has two points and he's, well now four points, he's two of six from the field. And then Jason Tatum here um, is one of four from the field with four of six at the line. So Al Horford right now is leading them with the 14 points here. So listen, it's gonna be a tall order for Boston. Um, they don't have uh, Williams out there who's down with the knee. Um, you know, if they had him, then I'd say, okay, you know, they have a chance here. Um, you know, so it's it's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough for them. You know, I, I think that this is a situation where I just think that the Nets and their experience are going to win this series. Um, I like this one to probably go seven games, but I, I really like the Nets in this one um, as they're currently up in this game 47 to 44 um, with 522 left in the second quarter so definitely make sure you tune in and check that game out um you know next up we have the uh milwaukee bucks and we have the chicago bulls here so the bulls come in just avoiding the playing situation uh, come in really limping in this one um Gosh, I, I like Milwaukee, and I hate to say that because I'm a huge Bulls fan, but I just think that Milwaukee, to me, they're in such a great situation like the Miami Heat. They're basically running it back, and they got better. You know, they got Brooke Lopez back off the, the back injury, right? Um, they got Serge Ibaka over there in the trade at the deadline here. Um, on top of that, you know, you look at the fact that uh, they have Drew Holiday, right? We know what he can do, right? You know what you're getting with Giannis as well. You know what you're getting with Chris Middleton as well. So this is a team to me that's pretty much running it back, you know, and yes, they don't have P.J. Tucker, but they did bring Grayson Allen over. Uh, he's probably a better offensive fit for them, you know, with the, what he can do, knocking down shots and things like that. And then you look at this as the second year for Bobby Portis, who has stepped into his role better. You know, they have George Hill um, back in the fold too. So this roster is very dangerous. They brought Wesley Matthews over there. So they really retooled the roster in the sense that they brought in a couple more defenders um, and they brought in some guys that can shoot too as well. They got their size back here. I think it's going to be tough for the Bulls. You know, the Bulls play very undersized here. A lot of times you look at the Bulls and it looks like DeMar DeRozan has to play power forward sometimes. So that's going to be tough for them. Um, you know, you have Levine coming in with the, the limping knee and everything. That's going to be tough for them. Uh, Lonzo Ball shut down for the year. He was huge and basically a lot in what the Bulls did earlier this year as far as running up and down the floor. Um, you know, getting into lob situations and getting that fast break started. So that's going to be tough. He's out. And I just look at the experience here and I think it's going to be tough for the Bulls. I think, you know, aside from DeMar DeRozan here, um, he's really the only experienced guy on the roster, aside from Alex Caruso who's been there. But it's just the Bulls are young. They're super young. And I think that they're running into the same situation as the Cleveland Cavaliers, where I just think the experience is going to take over in this one. And I like I like Milwaukee to get this done within six, within six, at least. And it wouldn't shock me if they got it done within five. But, you know, I just think that that's probably where we're headed here in this series. Lastly, you have the Phoenix Suns versus the Pelicans here. 
I like the Phoenix Suns in this one. Okay, I, I it wouldn't shock me if Phoenix sweeps this. 4-0. Phoenix has shown throughout they can win with, with injuries. They play the same way. Um, they're getting guys back. I mean, it's the same team that went to the NBA Finals. There's only one team in the West that I think could stop them, and that's the Golden State Warriors. I don't think the Pelicans have enough here. I think that when you look at the experience that the Suns have, I think the Suns just, they have too much experience. It's too much firepower on the offensive end. I think that nobody has an answer here for Chris Paul. I think he's going to be able to get anywhere he wants to go on the floor. I think that there's no answer for DeAndre Aiden and the lobs that are going to come their way. Um, You know, yes, they have some answers to kind of slow down you know, Cameron Johnson um, and, you know, the Tory Craigs and Jay Crowders. But then you have reinforcements coming off the bench. You have Cameron Payne, who's starting to look a lot like what he looked last year. Um, if they're able to get Landry Shamrit to play or Sham, excuse me, to play, you're getting some added three point range there. Um, you know, they still have um, Biombo out there to come in on the backup center position. You know, you have him, you have Mikael Bridges. Like, there's just so many things to to try to stop. And I just think that they just don't have enough to really stop Phoenix here. You know, JaVale McGee, they're just, they're big. They're going to be able to get to where they need to go to. They're a much better jump uh, shooting team. And I think that that size is probably going to affect C.J. McCollough. And I think it's going to affect Brandon Ingram on the offensive end as well. Thus, if you take them out of the game, you're taking away some of your main playmakers here. So I like Phoenix in this one in in four games here. So really, with that being said, that is today's show here. Um, I quickly want to go ahead and thank Anchor for being our platform. I want to thank the sponsors out there who have put sponsorship on the show. And I want to thank the fans out there who have chimed in on a week to week basis here to drive content to the show. Definitely appreciate you guys. Um, for sticking in with this and definitely uh, tune in for our next show here we got some exciting stuff coming up here obviously we'll be talking about the NBA playoffs as they go along Um, hopefully we can bring back um, our draft expert here on the show and we'll be talking about the NFL draft that's coming up here I'm I'm really excited for the NFL season here with all the twists and turns and, and and signings and trades and stuff like that that have been going on so I definitely want to talk about that But uh, yeah, guys, uh, we'll be back for another show here. So this is uh, Real Talk Sports with Rico. We'll be back. Uh, Take care.